buddy Bill Buckmaster with you, along with my buddy Tom Fairbanks, as we celebrate Leap Year Day. Today is Thursday, February 29th, 2024. And thanks to Tom Fairbanks, uh, I have a new meaning uh, about what Leap Year Day is all about. Uh, Long ago, Tom, long ago and far away, Leap Day, also known as Ladies' Day or Ladies' Privilege Day, was the only period of time when women were free to propose to men. It's thought this event may be based on Irish, excuse me, Scottish law in the late 1200s or maybe in Irish legend. I think uh, we're... No one knows for sure. I think we are dealing with concerned fathers not being able to get their daughters married off and out of the household. (laughs) So they came up with this scheme. Well, yeah. I mean, it's Scottish law, Celtic law, who knows? But uh, anyway... Uh, it is it is that day, and uh, my nephew, David, celebrating his birthday today. So, uh, yeah, I've got a leap year baby in the Buckmaster clan. We're in our 14th year of the Buckmaster radio program and the 36th year in uh, my involvement with Tucson Media. And um, I was just looking up some when I really started my media career and we're, we're coming up now on, um, 55 to six pushing near the 60 year mark. Can't believe that. I started very young as did, as did Tom Fairbanks. I think he was a DJ at, at 12 years old. Anyway, we come to you from the green thing Zocalo village studio. They have the naming rights. I'm glad they do to the studio. And we are part of the Bustos media growing uh, presence in Tucson. Five radio stations under one roof. This one's 1030 KVOI The Voice, Tucson's only source for local news and talk. Worldwide live listening on my website. You can listen to the program live and also this is the place buckmastershow.com that place where you can get all of our programs uh, pretty much every program we've done over the past 13 years with the radio show. They're all conveniently archived just put in the name of the guest under the search mode there and you'll get the show our live line for our telephone interviews presented by rincon ventures real estate and property management we're so blessed to have i don't know two dozen now 24 25 contributors who uh come on the program on a regular basis uh our contributor on aviation uh, is retired JetBlue captain Jeff Lattice. Jeff retired after 20 years with the company, with JetBlue, where he flew nearly at about almost 20,000 hours of accident-free aviation, commanding uh, the Airbus A320. He also did the A321. Jeff is a highly decorated retired combat fighter pilot. He worked at the Pentagon at one point in his career. As an Air Force Special Weapons Officer, he is now very busy training pilots on business jets, and Jeff uh, was able to step away from a class he is teaching to join us now on the live line. Hey, Jeff, how are you? I'm doing fine, Bill. Happy Leap Day. <laughs> yeah, happy, happy. Yeah. Well, what was that? <laughs> Go ahead. 
Oh. I was just saying, you need to stay away from the women, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. We, we won't go there right now. Uh, uh, I'm still a man uh, very much deep in grief, but yeah, there are... I, there are, of course, female energy in the life. You got to have some female energy <laughs> as well. Um, Jeff, get, get closer to your tell. Get closer to your cell, so I I hear you a little better. Okay. Oh, sorry. How's that? That's that's better. Yeah, mm-hmm. right right in, into the cell. All right. Uh, I okay. want to I want to talk about safety uh, briefings. And my goodness, over your career, how many of these? you have heard and and you know for passengers who are um well you look around when the safety briefing is being done everybody's got their head in a book a newspaper um this is pretty darn important stuff and uh i was just checking on this because some in the industry say it is time we we update the uh the briefing and these required safety briefings uh jeff and the set and the seatback cards that began in March of 1965. The early briefings had to include information about when and where smoking was permitted on board, how to operate the plane's seat belts. We still have that in the message, and we still have uh, where emergency exits are located. Also, uh, guidance on the oxygen mask operation. But, Jeff, some are saying... Something that needs to be added is in the event of an emergency, people should not try to grab their carry-on luggage to, to when they exit the aircraft. Yes. that Believe it or not, I think it's part of a lot of the briefings that, that you would hear if you're paying attention. It's like, leave your stuff. And uh, so many times we've seen, you know, you can go back and, pull up videos on YouTube of airplanes that have had emergency evacuations. The most recent one that I can think of was in Las Vegas about two or three years ago. And uh, they did an emergency evacuation on the the runway. And I would say half the people have to carry on. Let me tell you, they can get people killed. And people trying trying to people getting their bags from the overhead and the airplane could be on fire. It's a disaster waiting to happen. It is. A lot, of those, a lot of those people in really bad situations end up getting pushed down, and then they get trampled on. So people are going to panic. Some people want to get their bags because they have their important stuff in there. But guess what? That stuff is not important to you anymore if you get stuck on that airplane because you've either gotten pushed over or you're plugging, you get other people hurt because you're plugging up the exit way because you're trying to get a bag down. Um, not to mention, you're going to go down the slide with this suitcase as well. You know, it's kind of like use common sense, people. If your car was on fire, you're not going to go into the trunk and pull out your luggage out of your trunk before you leave. You're going to exit the car. Same idea. You got to leave your bags if you're going to do an emergency exit. Emergency exits have to happen within a certain time frame for the FAA certification, and it's really fairly short. And anybody that's watched videos of airplanes that catch on fire, you don't have a whole lot of time. 
Well, passengers leaving their carry-on bags, Jeff Lattice, leaving them behind was considered an important factor in the 100% survival rate on Japan Airlines, uh, the the A350, Airbus 350 that crashed in Tokyo uh, on the runway in January. Everybody got off, no injuries, and nobody uh, tried to bring on carry-on bags, or bring with them the carry-on bags. Yeah, and another incident, uh, there was a accident that happened in San Francisco. It was with uh, Air Korea, and that's the one that they landed short. And if you've ever seen San Francisco, they actually hit an embankment that goes out in the bay. Uh, it basically collapsed the, the airplane gear, and, and the airplane just basically crashed on the approach into the runway. Most of the people lived, and once again, you see people with their bags out there on the runway in the middle of the foam. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Uh, you need to leave the airplane and leave your stuff. I've often wondered when you're uh, when you do the pushback. Is there something, or does it vary from carrier to carrier, uh, that the plane actually should not be moving? when the safety announcement is given or is that just at the discretion of the captain controlling that particular aircraft yeah there's no uh restriction to giving the briefing while the airplane's under movement as a matter of fact you'll see a lot of times you'll be pushing back and that's when they're going to be doing it they close the doors right they can't do anything until the doors are closed and once the doors are closed usually you're going to be pushing within a couple of minutes, and that's when they're going to be starting their safety briefings. So it's okay to go ahead and do the briefings while they're – as a matter of fact, you could be taxiing out on the taxiway, and they could be doing their safety briefings. So it's when – it's got to happen soon, early on, you know, before you get airborne and uh, hopefully before you actually taxi, but that briefing is required and when it has to happen, I'm not too sure if it has to happen before takeoff, uh, but I'm sure there's some kind of rule that says it has to happen at a certain point or by a certain point. And I can't, I don't know what that is, unfortunately. <laughs> Did you ever have a situation where you had to evacuate an aircraft in your commercial career? I have not. Uh, it is a fairly rare thing to happen. Uh, obviously I know people who have evacuated, uh, a lot of times evacuations, they should be under the command of the captain. Uh, there are certain times when you don't want to evacuate, even though you might be in the back of the airplane thinking we need to get out of here. Follow what, what the flight crew is telling you to do. They have a lot more information than what you are seeing out your window. There might be reasons not to evacuate because the problem has been solved. Uh, And you don't want people. Anytime you do an emergency evacuation, somebody's probably going to get hurt. So we try to avoid not to evacuate unless we, and we are trained as captains and airline crew when that evacuation needs to happen and when not it happen. And you'll hear, you know, if you're ever into that situation, you're going to hear 
like somebody on the intercom will say cabin crew at stations or something like that. That means get ready to evacuate. Um, otherwise, just listen what they're saying. Don't panic. There's no need to panic during an emergency situation. As a matter of fact, that's the wrong thing to do is to panic. Listen what they're saying. Try to keep your emotions down because you're going to be getting instructions from the, the, the flight attendants on how you're going to do this evacuation. And when you get on the airplane, take a look. They always tell you, take a look around and during the safety brief. Take a look around. Find the closest evacuation exit point. So when you get in the airplane, you take a look. All right, am I close to the – a lot of people don't realize the back doors back in the very back of the airplane are evacuation exits. And you might only be three rows from it, but you never turned around and thought about it. You see the doors in front of you. Realize there's doors behind you, too. So find the closest one. That's the one you're going to use. All right, Jeff. And, oh, by the way, if some if somebody is trying to get a bag, you tell them to move on. <laughs> and if you have to push them out of the way, push them out of the way. All right. Jeff Latta, stay with us. Uh, take a break right here. I've got segment two uh, with uh, retired JetBlue captain jeff lattice but right now i want to talk about mona's danish bakery home of the danish kringle northeast corner of swan and sunrise now pouring alcoholic beverages with your lunch or if you would like uh breakfast uh champagne and orange juice known as a mimosa uh they've got the they're fully licensed now with the liquor license up at mona's so check that out mona's danish bakery.com is their website they're open right now for lunch open for breakfast 6 30 in the morning and they are taking mondays off but other than that doors open at 6 30 be right back with jeff lattice right after this Family-owned Jam Culinary Concepts and its family of restaurants has you covered for your special event. Jam caters anytime, anywhere, any size group, and any type of cuisine. Vero Amore, authentic Neapolitan pizza and noble hops. Craft beer and fine fare are synonymous with quality. Call 954-1468 or log on to jamculinaryconcepts.com. The Regional Transportation Authority's 20-year plan includes roadway, transit, pedestrian, bicycle, and many other transportation improvements across the region. Pima County voters approved the plan in 2006, and the RTA is finalizing a new 20-year plan for RTA board review and approval to seek public feedback on the draft plan. Sign up at rtanext.com for updates. Buckmaster Show listeners know that I'm passionate about travel. When I'm ready to take off on a new adventure, my air travel begins and ends at Tucson International Airport. TUS is nonstop for our community and Southern Arizona. So remember to fly local, fly Tucson. Tucson International is nonstop for Tucson. More at flytucson.com. The nonprofit Tucson Wildlife Center has been helping injured, sick, and orphan wildlife in southern Arizona since 1999. They're dedicated to the rescue, medical care, and rehabilitation of sick, injured, and orphan wildlife with the goal of releasing them back to their natural habitat. Around 5,000 animals a year come to them as they are the only wildlife rescue in southern Arizona. 
all made possible through donations. They receive no government funding. Please donate at TucsonWildlife.com. Family owned and run since 1985, Moe's Gallery and Fine Framing is the gold standard for quality and professionalism for picture framing, custom frame mirrors, art for your walls, and hanging and lighting solutions. Come in for your design session or set it up electronically. Moe's Gallery and Fine Framing, Fort Lowell and Dodge, and now doing e-commerce at moesgallery.com. For more than a half century, Tucson Gardeners trust Green Things, a family-owned and operated retail and wholesale plant nursery, offering an amazing variety of plants, trees, cacti, pottery, and so much more, all at great prices. The 13-and-a-half-acre site by the Rieto River is also home to the Zocalo Village, specializing in fine Mexican and Latin American imported furniture and art. Green Things open daily at 3384 East River Road and at GreenThingsAZ.com and ZocaloVillage.com. Welcome back. It is the Buckmaster Show Leap Day uh, Edition, Feb 29, 2024. The Buckmaster Show contributor on aviation, retired JetBlue captain Jeff Lattice. He may be retired from the commercial ranks, but he's very busy uh, teaching pilots now uh, on business jets. Uh, Jeff, the war in the Ukraine is really a... um, it's a turning point for a new part of, uh, of warfare that is probably, I'm sure, going to be talked about at, at these war colleges uh, for a long time. That is the use of drones. The extensive use of drones has really changed the complexion on the battlefield, hasn't it? Yeah, and um, in ways that I, I agree with you that we haven't really fully understood yet. Uh, God knows what we're really doing uh, behind the black curtains on drone technology. Uh, now, I know that we are also working on the opposite side of that. And if we were the ones having to deal with low-tech drones and what we would do to counter that. Uh, and like I say, we talked about it last time I was on your show. Um, these off-the-shelf kind of drones, they use GPS to for their stabilization and where they're at and everything. It makes them very easy to control. That GPS is also very easy to jam. So when it comes to off-the-shelf stuff, if uh, if the if your combatants don't have jammers, you're going to be vulnerable. And what the Ukrainians are doing, the Ukrainians are doing, they're coming in with these basically off-the-shelf drones that you would buy at, I don't know, Best Buy. They rig them up where they can put a, like a grenade, you might say. Some Right now they're using uh, parts of cluster munitions. They take the bomblet out and they use that. And they'll fly these little drones. They find guys in foxholes and they just drop that little cluster munition right down in, on top of the foxhole is what they're doing. Without jamming a system like that, you're vulnerable. Now, we, I presume, are looking at how you umbrella and have a very vast uh, GPS jamming network out there, and that should prohibit a lot of that problem. There are drones also that don't use GPS. Those are basically just running off gyros, and that's what we see the Iranian drones that we've heard in the news 
Those don't have GPS. Those you cannot jam. And those are actually more of a problem, even though they're less accurate than the uh, the cheaper off-the-shelf type that you can jam. Hey, Jeff, why am I hearing so many, it sounds like, F-35s uh, flying? Uh, for those that, that know, we're very close to the runway here at Davis Mountain at the at the Bustos Media Complex, and uh, it seems like there's a lot of F-35 activity uh, overhead here that we're even hearing in our soundproof studio today. Well, I'm over by the airport, not the base, so I'm not real familiar. There might be some kind of exercise going on or something. I'm not real familiar. I'll tell you the truth, I haven't seen any F-35s, but I haven't been looking. Uh, I do know that the guard unit here, the F-16 unit, has been fairly busy. Uh, and we talked last time on your show that you know, the Ukrainians are actually here training right now. So um, they've been a little bit busy. Are they? Tra- yeah, I'm not too are they training are they training the uh, with our national guard people do you know or yes they are that guard that is a uh training unit so they they train people to fly f-16s here Mm. um and they do they do train a lot of foreigners here uh in uh, like in the pacific realm uh they used to train the singapore and all all the people that they're training now but uh, there for a while, they were like the international training unit. Uh, I think they're training anybody now. But, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know anybody in that guard unit right now, or I'd call them up and ask what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I want to ask you, getting back to drones, and another concern for commercial uh, aviation lasers. People uh, have been have have been pointing lasers at at commercial jets. This is an increasing problem, isn't it? Yeah, you know that problem started cropping up uh, actually probably twenty years ago when uh, laser pointers were a big deal. Uh, I have been lased probably at least a half a dozen times. Wow! Uh, in my career. Uh, and it's very noticeable. Uh, and I've known pilots that have been medically disqualified because they got lasered. Uh, so, yeah, it's a federal crime. And if you were caught, you can probably expect to spend several years in prison if you get caught uh, pointing lasers at airplanes. Uh, what happens when a laser hits the cockpit, the whole windshield basically will light up in green typically it's green lasers and uh so you know it and try not to look but you know of course you know you're going to be looking out the window or something and sure enough you get lazed at that point it usually happens when you're like on an approach it was very common in lax Uh, i got lazed one time in salt lake city uh several times down in the dominican republic uh so uh, the one in Salt Lake City, I was at actually at altitude when the laser hit me. I was like at 35,000 feet when it hit me. Uh, so, yeah, it's something that is a concern. Just realize if you think you're going to be cute, and we know where that laser came from. And it's very easy to pinpoint it on the ground. And uh, you will have police there very quickly yeah. if you think you can get away with it. Because we report it right away to tower, 
or whoever the controlling agency is, because it's a very important thing, because they're going to laze other pilots. They call the police and the FBI both, and they're both going to be rolling at that time to catch him. Yeah. So uh, there have been a couple of people caught, and you're going to go to prison. It's federal crime. There is no probation. So if you're found guilty, you're going to prison. Yeah. By the way, we've got an update from Davis Mountain. There is a major noise alert today. Uh, the Heritage Flight Training Course is taking place uh, this week. Actually, it's going to be going uh, from yesterday through March 3rd. There'll be very loud noises. Uh, uh, we got A-10s. we got F-16s. We have F-22s and F-35 practicing for the 2024 air show season. There you go, Jeff Lattice. There you go. And like I said, I hadn't been keeping up, so they're having their air show come up pretty soon, probably this weekend. And uh, so, yeah, that that explains the noise. And, oh, by the way, an F-35 is about three times louder than an F-18. <laughs> it is? Wow. F-30, they're, they're very, very loud airplanes. All right. Okay, Jeff, we'll let you get back uh, so you can get somewhat of a lunch hour and then get back to your course <laughs> training your pilots on the business jets thanks jeff you bet bill we'll talk to you next time all right Take care. Reti Reti <laughs> okay thank you happy leap day to you as well uh that's retired jet blue captain jeff lattice and uh, jeff also as i mentioned in the introduction the first time i didn't um, bring it up again as we introduced SEG-3, and I asked him some military questions, and the reason he knows so much about and follows the military, he worked for quite a while at the Pentagon as an Air Force uh, Special Weapons Officer. So uh, Jeff keeps up on what's going on in the on the weapons scene. All right, uh, Troy Hutchison is coming up next. Uh, Take a couple of deep dives, two segments with Troy. A lot to talk about concerning University of Arizona athletics. That's next on the Buckmaster Show. Dine in or take out authentic Neapolitan wood-fired pizza at Vero Amore, where every flavorful pizza, pasta, and panini are homemade. Using the finest local and imported ingredients, Vero Amore, Plaza Palomino at Swan and Fort Lowell, and on Dove Mountain in Marana, plus a full catering menu and mobile pizza truck for parties and events. Vero Amore, on the web at veroamorepizza.com. Cushman and Wakefield Picor is Tucson's leading independently owned full-service commercial real estate company. Founded in 1985, Cushman and Wakefield Picor offers leasing, sales, and property management for industrial office, medical retail land, and investment properties in Tucson and Sonora, Mexico. Visit our website at picor.com for the latest news from Tucson's commercial real estate sector. That's picor.com. Call us at 748-7100. Are you happy with the news you get? While not all news is good news, you know good reporting when you see it. Check TucsonSentinel.com every day for breaking news and investigative reports. Have your say in the comments. It's all in TucsonSentinel.com, your local, independent, nonprofit news. You can rely on TucsonSentinel.com for solid reporting about immigration, Tucson and penal politics, everything from the border to baseball. It's independent news without the spin. TucsonSentinel.com. We are watching Tucson. 
This is Bill Buckmaster urging my listeners to join me in becoming a member of the Reed Park Zoo, one of America's top zoos and home to more than 300 animals from all over the world. When you become a zoo member, you receive free daytime admission, discounts on special events and education programs, and so much more. Find out more about zoo membership and everything you need to know about your zoo visit. ReedParkZoo.org the Friends of Pima Animal Care Center is the nonprofit partner to our Pima County Animal Shelter. We grant critically needed resources to PACC so that it can continue the amazing life-saving progress it has made in recent years. Your generosity helps us find homes for abused, neglected, and abandoned animals at PAC. Learn how you can help at friendsofpacc.org. Hi, this is Irene Coppola, President and CEO of the Better Business Bureau serving Southern Arizona. The BBB sets the standards for marketplace trust by engaging with and educating consumers and businesses. The BBB is the resource to turn to for the objective, unbiased information on businesses offering national and local consumer services online and in person. Learn more about the many services offered by the Better Business Bureau at bbb.org. Welcome back. It is the Buckmaster Show, Leap Year Day edition of the program. This portion of our program presented by Green Things and Zocalo Village. We're in the Green Things Zocalo Village studios. They have the naming rights to the Buckmaster Show studio as part of the Bustos Media Campus here with five radio stations um, under one roof. Certainly, Bustos Media is the growing media presence here uh, in Tucson. Green Things is at 3384 East River Road by the Rito River, just west of the Brandy Fenton Park. 13-acre site. I don't know if Jan and Jack, the owners, could could even get one more plant on that 13-acre site. There is so much merchandise uh, not only with the plants, but all those incredible, the pottery for your garden from Zocalo Village. And it's not just Mexican Talavera. They've, they've sourced it really from all over the world, from Asia, Vietnam. They've got uh, some pottery from Crete, the island of Crete. Anyway, it's uh, AZ, greenthingsaz.com and zocalovillage.com. Also want to say that our telephone interviews, we did segment one and two uh, telephonically today. That's presented by Rincon Ventures Real Estate and Property Management. We were talking with our aviation contributor and now Troy Hutchison, who is our contributor on Arizona, University of Arizona Sports. He's one of two dozen regular contributors now to the Buckmaster Show. Try is with uh, GoAZCats.com, which is part of the Rivals uh, Network, right? Right, Try? Correct, correct. And again, tell uh, good to see you. First of all, tell our listeners about Rivals. Yeah, so yeah, uh, GoAZCats is part of the Rivals Association, um, which is a part of Yahoo as well. They cover different universities across the country, pretty much all universities across the country. It is mostly recruiting-based. There is a lot of recruiting for football, basketball, uh, but each team website, they do cover teams as well, like we do at goeasycats.com. We do it very in-depth. We cover not only men's men's basketball, 
football, but also women's basketball, softball, baseball, and a little bit of soccer as well. So we dive into as much as possible. <laughs> well, um, I want to be, before we talk about uh, the obvious stuff about March Madness and all that coming up, uh, kudos to my friends, uh, one of them, one of the co-owners, Kurt Prendergast, who is the opinion page editor at the Arizona Daily Star. He and uh, Caitlin Schmidt, after they left the Star, uh, have started something called the Tucson Agenda. We had Kurt on my program Friday, and he was talking about the agenda. They've done some really good uh, original reporting. It's It's been hard, uh, Troy, to kind of get a some kind of a reading on Arizona's multi-million dollar budget deficit and just where the athletic department uh, fits in on all of this. And, and Regent Fred Duvall, who's chair of the Board of Regents, who, by the way, is still scheduled, and I hope he sticks with this. I hope so, anyway. On He's going to be with me a week from Friday here on the program. But he had pointed out, Troy, that the UA Athletic Department's financial challenges are a universal problem. In other words, it's like at schools all across the country. But according to the Tucson Agenda, and a, and a faculty committee looked into um, – 53 comparable athletic departments and found 17 of them or about one-third don't have a deficit. Can you kind of fill us in on how the U of A athletic department operates? Yeah, you know, um, financially, they're given in a lot from the university. Um, most of the time, the money comes from themselves in terms of donors, what they raise and all that. They have a budget that they try to stick to. Clearly, that has not happened throughout the years. Um, one of the driving forces behind this was, I think it was, what was it, $55 million in loans from the university itself uh, during the COVID situation that went on. A lot of their departments, like football, basketball, baseball, you're not having fans at games. You're not generating revenue, uh, be it with ticket sales, food, merchandise gear and all that. So they got a loan from the university yes. to weather these hard times. To weather yeah. the hard times. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, buildings started you know, popping up, renovations to the football stadium, renovations to the basketball stadium. Um, new and new things kept on coming up. And this is where you get to that point today of, I think it was $32 million per year, the financial year last year and the year before that, around that number as well. And you're looking at a deficit over $100 million. Um, again, that number has jumped around. I think uh, last time I heard was 86 from President Robbins during the introductory press conference with uh, the new athletic director, um, Reed Francois. And now does that factor in the $32 million, uh, in terms of the calendar year this past year? Um, that was unclear, and he really kind of backtracked on that question. And that was brought up at the introductory Correct. press conference, which you were attending, right? Correct. For the new athletic director. Yeah. So the number changed. <laughs> the number changed, and, um, you know, talked about the $86 million. I think it was Bruce Pascoe that asked something along the lines that that includes the 32 and he's like, well, I don't know where you got that quote and kind of, you know, backpedaled on that. And there was better understanding of it from my knowledge with Bruce and him. But, um, yeah, that number keeps on shifting, it seems like. And there's really been no clear answer to what the official number is. And again, I want to uh, quote from uh, Kurt and Caitlin's piece today in the Tucson agenda. I'm going to read another uh, paragraph because I, I think this is outstanding 
uh, original reporting that they're doing here, they found, uh, they, referring to the faculty committee, found that UA subsidizes its athletic department a lot more than other schools to the tune of 25% or more versus most other schools' 15% contribution. They're also not anywhere near, the, uh, this is not anywhere near a universal problem, according to the reporting. The UA Athletic Department reported a 43% increase in debt during the first five years of President Robbins' tenure at UA, while other PAC 12 schools were averaging just about 6%, and across all Division I schools in the country, it was 7%. So that's not even in the same uh, ballpark, so to speak, as the increase at the U of A. Yeah, no, definitely the increases were major. Um, you do look, one thing I will say in terms of uh, what Duvall, I think, is talking about mm-hmm. is you do look across the country, there's about, I think, what, what was the number Caitlin gave out? 17 mm-hmm. athletic departments that are either generating or yeah. not in deficit. Yes. Uh, that falls in line, but you're talking about 200 and something schools total. Yeah, it was about one third don't have yeah. a deficit of the 53 of the f- comparable athletic departments. Right. Yeah. yeah, and so most most departments are operating debt at 17. You know, they're they're making money or even staying afloat. Um, and you look at it; it's mostly programs like Ohio State, Alabama, Alabama. where the football programs sure. are tremendous, and football is generating revenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, football is a major. Uh, generation USC, USC. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean it could go on I'm, and on Texas you know um, football yeah, I think you and I could probably list about all 17 here yeah. if we want I mean it's pretty obvious the yeah. programs that have the huge national footprint yeah that are doing okay so then the look uh, to the folks that don't follow sports and I presume maybe there's a uh, quite a few of my listeners maybe don't follow it certainly as close as you do Troy because you do that f- this for a living but they see the look of okay the university has hired uh, a new athletic director a football coach several assistant coaches and support staffers uh, for the team while giving a 28% pay raise to head basketball coach Tommy Lloyd yeah and you know I think that's a little overblown I know when you don't follow athletics that Mm -hmm. it could seem like a problem there is considering you're in the depth but um, that's all donor and booster based that's not coming out of the university's financial issue right now that's coming out of donors like um, what what is uh, HSL I can't uh, Humberto Uh, Lopez Humberto Lopez guys like that huge financial backer of the university go ahead yeah guys like that that are fronting this money and Mm -hmm. giving the money to the university that way they are able to pay their coaches give pay raises as well I think the total like when it said the several assistant coaches there's a pool of 4.5 million dollars for the assistant coaches. Wow. And that gives the head coach the opportunity to go out and say, hey, I want this guy, I want this guy, let's bring you in. Okay. I think. Um, so this isn't like taxpayer no. money, general no. fund money. 
<laughs> no, th this is all donor and booster money and alumni-based money that they and, use for that. And you like this new, the hire, uh, the first woman athletic director of the University of Arizona, first hire there in that area. Yeah, first female athletic director and also first Latina athletic director. You at the like U this hire. I do. Um, she came over from Missouri. Missouri was in a deficit, I don't think anywhere near Arizona's, right. but she was able to raise their uh, football sales by 200% their revenue by 70% and really turn that athletic department around. And now they are one of those schools that is probably generating mm -hmm. revenue, mm -hmm. um, has a law degree from Arizona, went to UCLA previously before that. So when you're dealing with all these logistical things and money issues, you want somebody that knows what they're doing. You want somebody that has a clear plan that's, you know, a con like a lawyer like that, there's always a plan in place. She had so. to be, there was money though on the table that mm -hmm. she walked away from that had to be covered. And again, Correct. that will be covered by your big by, financial people in town. Correct. And that, I think that number was 1.5. That is what uh, Missouri was telling me, 1.5 million. Mm -hmm. um, and she did take a pay cut to come to the university. I think she's only making around 1 million and then it gets up to 1.3 million by the final year of her contract. Is that generally pretty good money for an athletic department? That's, that's athletic usually director. Is that about right? That's usually for what Arizona is yeah. in terms of university, the general pay for an athletic director. I think he, he got paid out a million dollars in his final year. Mm -hmm. Um, so that that's generally the going rate for an athletic director. And how about Tommy Lloyd's new salary? Is that considered one of the elite it's up there. He's one of the top five highest paid coaches in college basketball. Um, but you're looking at the revenue he's been able to generate. I mean, it, basketball isn't generally a revenue building sport, but for the U of A it is. And the brand has grown at Arizona. Uh, just overall attention to Arizona basketball since he took over and previously from Miller has grown substantially during that time. Yeah, because it was a drop-off after Lute uh, with Miller, and now it's kind of back up. It's, the buzz is there. And we'll talk now uh, in segment our second segment with Troy Hutchison after we take the break about uh, a March Madness, which is, well, just around the corner. Be right back with Troy. Noble Hops is Tucson's original gastropub, serving an ever-changing menu of craft beer and fine fare. Savor the majestic mountain views from the perfect for any season spacious patio at West Lambert Lane in North La Cañada Drive in Oro Valley. Order in or take out at Noble Hops, a pub for foodies. On the web at noblehops.com. International Airport, we are nonstop for our community. Our main priorities are providing a safe and secure travel experience and excellent customer service. We're also nonstop for landing prosperity in Southern Arizona by attracting new flights for business travel and family getaways. When your airport thrives, our community thrives. So fly local, fly TUS. Tucson International Airport is nonstop for Tucson. The Regional Transportation Authority plan is funded by a voter-approved half-cent sales tax. The RTA is the largest annual funder of regional transportation improvements in the region, averaging more than $100 million in tax revenue each year. The RTA is preparing a new 20-year plan for public review prior to a May 2025 election. Sign up at rtanext.com for updates.
The Green Valley News and Sarita Sun cover two of Arizona's most desirable communities. The newspapers reach more than 75% of the communities each week, with a combined population of more than 50,000. The Green Valley News also publishes a dozen magazines each year, and both newspapers publish up-to-the-minute local news online at gvnews.com. The Green Valley News and Sarita Sun, it's all right here. Whether you've considered an all-inclusive luxury cruise, an expedition adventure, or a relaxing river cruise, come to Bon Voyage Travel's annual showcase on March 3rd at the Hilton El Conquistador. Presentations will be offered throughout the day to provide you a chance to hear more about these travel brands and their exciting offers. Bill Buckmaster and I will be teaming up to present the travel trends of 2024. Visit bvtravel.com for more information on Bon Voyage Travel's free showcase on March 3rd. Nestled in the foothills of the Santa Rita Mountains of southeastern Arizona is Equine Voices and Sanctuary, home to horses and burros that were rescued from neglect, abuse abandonment, and slaughter. Please consider Equine Voices Rescue and Sanctuary with a financial gift of support and estate remembrance. Learn more about our vision and values at equinevoices.org. Welcome back. It is the Buckmaster Show. Leap year day. Happy birthday to my nephew, uh, a leap year baby, David Buckmaster. All right. Uh, Silver City in Grant County, New Mexico. We send a lot of our listeners over there. And why not? Everybody I send over there has a great time. Um, they kind of compare it a little bit to Santa Fe. I mean, without having to drive all the way up to Santa Fe or fly to Albuquerque and then rent a car and drive up an hour to Santa Fe. Or you can fly into Santa Fe now, I think, from Phoenix. But anyway, you can certainly drive over to Silver City. It's about three-hour drive. Their website, southwestnewmexico.org. There you will find all sorts of tempting outdoor recreation activities, the Gila National Wilderness, uh, if you haven't been to the Cliff Dwellings National Monument, that's really a great place, very educational if you've got kids. Um, Troy Hutchison is with us from GoAZCats.com. And speaking of history, uh, his family, the Morales-Cepeta side of the family, I just learned during the break, they go back nine generations uh, here in town and that side of the family was instrumental in the founding of the Tucson Presidio uh, back in, well, like 1776-type time frame. Yeah. So, I mean, your family's been here forever, practically. Yeah, you know, everybody moves to California, Texas, mm -hmm. Pennsylvania, Chicago. Yeah. But, um, you know, you come back and lay your roots in Tucson and have your... Um, Christmas Eve parties of 200 family members in one house. Oh and, my goodness. <laughs> but, it, you know, it's yeah. it's quite, and maybe I'm over-exaggerating that mm -hmm. number, but it quite it feels yeah. that way when you're, you know, an eight-year-old, nine-year-old, yeah. and everybody's walking in the room. <laughs> so you have a tremendous uh, extended family here in town. Yeah, uh, here in, not, not just here in town, but Phoenix, Chicago, California. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All right. Everybody wants to know how the basketball, the men's basketball team, and the women too, we should mention, uh, we've got uh, March Madness coming up. Women not so much looking for uh, a, a the into the tournament, or do you think they'll be in the tournament? They're on the bubble right bubble? now. 
As of right now, they are one of the last four in. But when you look at the outlook on the season, you have two top 10 teams coming into Tucson starting tonight with USC, who's been phenomenal this season, and then UCLA on Saturday. or Yeah, Saturday. And uh, then you have the Pac-12 tournament, which there are teams like Stanford, Colorado, Utah, those two teams I just mentioned, Oregon State. It's going to be an uphill battle. Um, if they're able to split this weekend, get one win, and then get one win in the Pac-12 tournament, they might sneak into the tournament, but um, they'd be in a little bit better position if they were somehow able to get a sweep this weekend. And the men will be a number one seed. Yeah, they're pretty much locked into that. I think the only way that they don't get a number one seed is, let's say they lose one more game in the regular season, Washington State wins the Pac-12, and then they lose in the Pac-12 tournament. They don't win the Pac-12 tournament. I don't think they would get a number one seed, but the odds are Arizona's going to win the Pac-12 at this point and probably win the Pac-12 tournament. But if you get one of those two things, Arizona will be a number one seed. And where will they play, do you think? Um, most likely out west. Uh, Utah looks like the destination right now, Salt Lake City, for the number one overall seed. And then they'll move to Los Angeles and then end it in Glendale, if possible, in the Final Four. So how have we done in the past as number one seeds? You know, it, it's not a great history for number mm-hmm. one seeds. And sometimes for Arizona as well, they've made Elite Eights. They've made Final Fours as number one seeds. But uh, Arizona won the national championship as a four or five seed off the top of my head. I don't remember the number but uh, I it was believe one believe it was a five seed it, yeah it was one of the most historic runs and mm-hmm. you know they've gotten far as a three and a two before the seeding to me really doesn't matter it's about location and matchup mm-hmm. if you're able to match up well with the opponents that you're being thrown at I think that's a great uh, way to get to the final four and win a national title and as of right now the last time I looked Arizona is a number one seed in the west with Iowa State as the two seed. And if you're looking at all the two seeds, Iowa State is an undersized team who relies heavily on guard play and playing physical. Well, Arizona's very big, and yeah. Arizona can play physical and can get out and run. I think that's a very poor matchup for Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of want to avoid a, um, I don't know, a Duke as the number two seed, even though Arizona took care of business. You just don't know how that's yeah, going to go they for a second Duke time. at Duke, yeah, you, yeah. But again, the second matchup, who knows how it would go. Um, I don't follow it as closely as you, certainly, but it seems uh, there have been a lot of number ones throughout the season. I'm thinking of Purdue getting knocked off. There's been a lot of number ones that get knocked off this year. I don't know. Is this considered a kind of a wide-open tournament? I, I think it's wide-open to a sense that there isn't a traditional Duke or Kentucky or even Florida back going back to the Bill and Donovan kind of era. Kind of a prohibitive favorite. You know, you have five NBA players and they're <laughs> going to just run the floor with everybody. But to me, there's a separation of Arizona, Purdue. I would put North Carolina there and UConn rest from the rest of the pack. I think there's a little bit of a gap between those two. So or those four. So those four would probably be my favorites to win the national title. And then it goes to your Houston's, your Kansas's, your Tennessee's of the world. How about Coach Brennan now with the football team? They'll start spring drills, which are open to the public for the first time in I don't know how many years. Well, actually, Jed had them open to a public, but limited, I think, in terms of full access. Okay. Um, but, yeah, no, it starts, I believe, April 26th or 27th. And there'll 27th. be a, a public game. Yeah. And then uh, spring practice spring. begins March 26th or 27th. March 26th. 26th. So it's about a month of spring football. Mm-hmm. Um 
we'll see what times they have them at. They haven't released the times for the practices. I prefer, you know, something later in the afternoon. So, yeah, yeah. but um, no, it should be fun. I think they have a really good staff coming in. Have a lot of top players returning. Obviously, with Nova Fida and Tetro McMillan, um, you're going to learn a lot about this team and this coaching staff during that time. Not in terms of X's and O's, but what their style of coaching is and how they operate things. I think they'll be a wide open team. And our quarterback was the quarterback of the freshman quarterback of the year, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. Very deserved. I think you mm-hmm. look across the country, there was no other freshman that had quite the performance that he did now, given he is a redshirt freshman. Mm-hmm. So he has that, you know, year of uh, experience, but still a uh, very phenomenal performance last year for Noah Fafita. Very uh, Russell Wilson-like at North, at uh, Wisconsin, kind of similar to that. Um, but he's in a great position to grow. He has, you know, his friends, Tetoro and McMillan, Jacob Manu, still on the team. Uh, they were able to keep the full offensive line, you know, just shoring up some areas on the offense. Um, They're and, a tight group. Yeah. Tight, tight group. Should be fun. Uh, how, how about the schedule that was released since the last time we saw you? Yeah, you know. You Anything look, jump out at you? Yeah, I think the, the thing that jumps out to me is the stretch where, and I think you have a bye week in between that, you're at Kansas State in a non-conference game, even though Kansas State is a conference opponent. And then you have the bye week, and then you're at Utah. Two back-to-back really tough road Definitely. games. Um, hostile environments. If they're able to split or come out 2-0 in that, Arizona has a great chance of winning the Pac-12, uh, well, Pac-12, Big 12. Big 12. It's going to take a while to get used to that. And then moving on to the big show. To the new playoff picture, right? Yep, twelve team format. Twelve teams. We'll see how they're going to uh, handle that and how that's going to go. And right before that, potentially Big Twelve title game as well. But uh, they're in good position to compete at a high level in the Big Twelve. Now, goazcats.com. Where do people subscribe? Just go to that website. Yeah, go to the website. Hit sign up. You can, you know. Fill out all that information and get signed up. Uh, it is nine ninety five per month, nine, $99.95 for the year. Um, it'll give you access to all our articles, including the premium articles, the message boards, where all the top information is located as well, and follow us on Twitter. Thank you very much, Troy. I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, that'll do it for the Buckmaster Show. Hope everybody stays well. Have a great day.